All right, who loves their church? Let me hear it, come on. I love the church of Jesus Christ, and I'm glad he invited me to be a part of it, amen? amen. Hey, as we get started, let me just welcome everybody on all of our campuses. You know, if you're at East, Effingham, Statesboro, Downtown, Midway, Henderson, Buenos Tardes to our Latino uh, fellowship. Let's give some love to everybody on all of our campuses. Let's just welcome each other as we just get started tonight, man. We love you guys. Now, as we get started today, I want to give you kind of a heads up. Uh, we're going to have a little family meeting at the end of this service today. I need to talk to you about something important. And so if there's a temptation to, that just strikes you to kind of cut out early and try to beat the Baptist to Cracker Barrel, resist that temptation, all right? Uh, I need to talk to you about one of the boldest things that we have attempted as a church in the last 10 years. And if you've been here for 10 years, you know it's got to be big. And I'm excited about it. And I want you to be excited about it when you pray about it. And so I'll tell you more about that later on. But today, we're starting a really important series of messages because if you play ball with the Lord, this series will turn on a flow of blessing in your life that will be so amazing that 10 years from now, you'll think back to February 2019 and say, that's when it started. That's when it started for me. I, I had a, a business owner in Richmond Hill tell me that just back in December. Now, we're calling this series Back in the Black, and we're going to dig into what the Bible teaches about how you manage money so money doesn't end up managing you. Now, we normally dedicate three messages a year to this issue because Jesus talked about it so much. Now, Jesus actually talked about managing money and giving and all that kind of stuff in a third of his stories. So we actually don't talk about it near as much as he did, but we do talk about it. And you're either going to love these three messages or not. And I'll tell you how this usually breaks down. When it comes to preaching on money, if you are tight and stingy and selfish with money, you're going to be squirming during these messages. And I'm just telling you, man, that's how that business guy described himself to me before he learned what we're going to be talking about over the next three weeks. And here's what he learned. He learned a principle that supercharges your spiritual life, it detoxes your soul, and it provides you with a truly life-changing relationship with Christ. That is, when you get to the place where you understand God's word and then you add humble obedience and it always produces extraordinary blessing. Now, I wish you could have just listened to this guy as he told me about how God's, you know, he learned God's word here. And then he folded his little arms and he resisted it for so long. And then finally he humbled himself and started to obey, obey and how God just opened this floodgate of blessing in his life. And man, if you hear God's word and you decide to give it a ride, I'm telling you, man, you will find that extraordinary blessing is always right on the other side of obedience, which is why there are a lot of people in our church to get excited when we announce we're going to do these messages every year because they know this truth will position you to be blessed. Now, the truth is, though, it takes a long time for some of us to get from this side to this side of this equation, and that's okay. Uh, I had a great opportunity <clears throat> to visit this, this week with a 30-something-year-old uh, deacon at our downtown campus. And, you know, we were trying to talk about how, uh, you know, how we can make our church more effective at reaching his generation for Jesus. Now, he knew <coughs> this annual series on finances was coming up. And the fact that we teach on giving was one of his big concerns. He told me, he said, Cam, man, millennials, my generation, we don't feel any loyalty to any institution. And we are especially suspicious of the church. And I'm like, why? He said, dude, they know that when they hear you talk about giving, it turns them off 
because they know the church pays you a salary and they just assume that you're teaching on money to give yourself a raise. And that is a conflict of interest. And I said, bro, half the pastors on our staff are millennials. You're a millennial. You're a leader in our church. Is that how you feel? He said, no, I don't feel that way. I know how things work around here. I know that Jesus commands us to give and he's my Lord. So of course I'm going to give. I know that the elders are a group of volunteers and they set your salary and there's amazing accountability here. So no matter how much you teach on this, it doesn't provide you with a bigger cut. He said, I know all the good that we do through our missions ministry and our compassion efforts, you know, in our community and around the world. I know how many people find Jesus here. I see him being baptized every week. I know how this money is used. So no, I don't feel that way. I'm just concerned with people who do. And I was like, bro, me too. It ain't just your generation. This is my generation too. Amen? Amen. Let me hear them baby boomers out there. Come on, you know you out there. Yeah, there's a couple of them. God bless you. God bless you. All right. So I asked him, I said, bro, okay, what helped you get over all that suspicion? I mean, you're a millennial. Somehow you got over all that reticence about the church and you actually see the value of teaching on generosity. Bro, what happened to you? He said, well, (laughs) when I gave my life to Jesus, I jumped in. When I was taught to serve here, I asked hard questions. I got answers. I learned. And what I learned helped me understand. So, bro, I'm in. Now, I love that guy. He is a brilliant aerospace engineer. He's a millennial who walked into a campus ministry on Georgia Tech, suspicious of everything Christian. And then after getting to know some followers of Jesus, today he is a follower of Jesus who serves consistently and gives generously. And dude, he is all in at our downtown campus. Love that guy. But you know, he's a great example of how it works for all of us, whether we talk about giving or anything else. Man, when you encounter God's word, I mean, you know, you hear it spoken in love. And you hear it taught in a way that makes sense to you. And then at some point you just saddle up and give some humble obedience. You know, you come to enough clarity that you just step up and obey and see if God really will come through in your life over time. Then you realize it actually does bring about extraordinary blessing. So I want to talk with you today about what God's word says about giving. And in the weeks ahead, we're going to talk about how you manage money in in a way that makes you really wise. And then we'll talk about the difference all that stewardship can make. But today... I want to talk with you about tithing. Everybody say tithing. Tithing. Dude, that's pretty good. Y'all are way more robust than those slackers on the weekend, I can tell you right now, all right? Just kidding about that. I know some of y'all are going to watch this on the weekend, and I feel bad about that. Not really that much. But anyway, all right, you know what I'm talking about. Now, this is important to me because I have three sons who are all millennials. And, man, I grew up with parents who are in the builder generation. We got any builder generation folk in here? No, (laughs) they just don't know they are builder generation. But anyway, all right, that is a generation that gave proportionally and consistently and intentionally to their church. They didn't really question it. God said it, that settled it, bam. I grew up in a generation that questions everything. My sons grew up in a generation that questions the questions. So let me just help us all understand what I mean by giving. And first, we're going to talk about three biblical ways to give. And I want to teach you why you should play ball if you want to be blessed. Now, the first form of giving that we see in the Bible is called tithing. Tithing is a basic discipline of giving as an act of worship. We read about it in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis 14. And then Jesus affirms it in the New Testament. The word tithe literally means tenth. Now, tithing is a spiritual discipline of giving 10% of your income to your church. It is the baseline of biblical generosity. Now, if you're math impaired like I am, let me help you walk through this, okay? This is how it works. If you make $640 a week 
which would be $33,000 a year, which is the average income in Chatham County. Now, some of us make more than that, some of us make less, but a tithe of 640 is, say it with me, everybody, $64. Now, if you made twice that and made $1,280 a week, your tithe would be $128. If you were really hitting it and made $2,500 a week, your tithe would be $256. And if you're killing it and you're making over five grand a week, your tithe would be $512. Now, I know y'all are thinking, Cam, why in the world are you spelling this out? The reason is because the farther you move this way, the more people think that percentage should go down because that number is so big. And I, I mean, you think about it, that's a Mercedes a month right there, right? I mean, if you played it right. Now, I'm not really worried about people on this end of the scale because honestly, these are the most generous people in the kingdom of God. These guys have the highest temptation to be choked out by greed. And friends, I'm telling you, it's heartbreaking. You know, in the Old Testament, God didn't even consider tithing giving. I mean, he considered it returning something to him that already belonged to him. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus taught that people who are tithing should give generously. So really, tithing is a test of faith. Man, it takes a lot of faith to honor the Lord like this. And, and listen, one of the best ways you will ever see if God will respond to your generosity with extraordinary blessing is just try tithing for 90 days. If you've never done it before, try it for 90 days. In fact, I want to offer you the Compassion Christian 90-day tithing guarantee. You try tithing for 90 days. I mean, give a full tithe for a full 90 days. At the end of that time, if you think God didn't bless you, we'll give you your money back. Just give on the app, give on a check so there's some record. Don't come in here and tell me, oh, I gave 100,000, Pastor, you know. I'm not going to believe that. The Lord will strike you dead. It'll be a bad thing, all right? But listen, you just, you just let us keep a record of it somehow. You keep a record of it. If you think God didn't bless you, we'll refund your money. Now, we've been making this challenge for over 10 years, and thousands of people have put God to the test, and I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Just try it and see. See if he will bless you, and then when he does bless you, and he will, don't ever stop tithing. Friends, you don't want the blessing to stop. Now, if Jesus taught that giving over the tithe is actually what makes you generous, what does the Bible call that kind of giving? And the Bible calls it free will offerings. Now, these are often referred to as alms in the New Testament. Alms are how the Jewish people back in Jesus' day would use their money to show compassion to the poor. Uh, free will offerings are gifts that you give in addition to your tithe that you return to your church. Now, compassion, that's how we support our global missions around the world. We tithe to support the ministry of our church. Then we give above the tithe to fund our global outreach in Europe and South America and Africa and India and Asia. Man, these free will offerings also fund the, the help we give to poor people in our community, you know, through the Lighthouse Ministry, through our PAC Ministry, where we serve seven, we give food to 7,000 public school kids a month who go to sleep every night wondering if they'll get a meal the next day. Uh, this is how we support Thrive, you know, which is a beautiful crisis pregnancy center that we have here in Savannah. And thank God for it, because with the horrible infanticidal abortion laws, that are being passed in New York and Virginia right now. If there was ever a time when we need to support ministries like Thrive that believe in the sanctity of human life and protect not just the unborn baby, but the psyche of the mother, do this now. It's now. I'm telling you, free will offerings are an expression of love and generosity that honors God and draws the blessing of God on your life. Jesus told people who are already tithing, give and it'll be given to you. I mean, with the measure you give, it'll be given to you. And that is a promise from Jesus that there will be a divine response 
to your generosity. And then thirdly is what we call sacrificial giving. This is the kind of giving we do when we give up something we love uh, for something we love much more. Now, I think I've done this in a big way eight or nine times in the 30-something years that I've been your pastor. The first time uh, was when we needed a, a bus for our middle school and high school students. And this was way back in the day. Uh, and we bought this old school bus, man. <laughs> and it was so cool to see that bus rolling off of our church campus, taking students to church camp or a retreat somewhere or a service project somewhere. And, you know, Sarah and I made a sacrificial gift to help provide that vehicle. None of our kids were in the youth group at that time, but we were glad to be able to help. The last time we made a sacrificial gift like that was at Christmas time. We wanted to help fund this, you know, renovation of a facility for our downtown campus. Now, next Christmas, God willing, we're going to have a Christmas Eve service. They had it outside the building this year. Next year, we pray it'll be inside the building. And people in downtown Savannah will realize, man, there's a place at the table for them and for their children. Now, every campus we have ever provided was paid for by the sacrificial giving of our church. And listen, for the next hundred years, these facilities will be making a difference in the kingdom of God because of your sacrificial giving, which means that if Jesus is right, and he always is, when you are in heaven standing beside him, gifts that you gave here will still be laying up treasure for you there. And if you're brand new here today, you probably got your arms crossed by now thinking, oh man, we came here on money week. They hit me up for money. Can I just say if that's you, dude, relax. Relax. Nobody wants to hit you up for anything. Every gift you ever give at this church will be totally volunteer, voluntary. It'll be completely between you and God. I'll never know. Nobody's checking, so just relax. But if you're a little cynical about this whole tithing thing, or generosity is just brand new to you, maybe what you need to hear is the why. Why do we do it? And so let me just break it down for you. There are four biblical reasons for tithing that have obviously motivated lots and lots and lots of compassion Christians to live with a generous heart. Uh, and this is why I tithe and beyond. This is why I taught my sons and why I pray my sons will tithe and beyond. This is why I pray they're teaching their sons and their daughters to tithe and beyond. Number one, tithing honors both an Old Testament and a New Testament principle. Now, Abraham is the father of our faith. He was the first person to use tithing as an act of worship. In Genesis 14, it says, he blessed Abraham saying, blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, Praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. And then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Now, friends, tithing started as an obedient act of worship in the life of Abraham. However, in the Old Testament, tithing is also how God provided for the ministers that he called and the funding of their ministry. So my millennial friend is right. In a healthy church, tithing is how my salary is paid. And so if you've got a problem with that, Take it up with God. He wrote it out that way 3,400 years ago. Can you get amen? amen? All right. Now, you probably remember when Moses freed the children of Israel from Egyptian slavery, God designated one of the 12 tribes to be the tribe that all the ministers would come from. And that tribe would be responsible for all the ministry of the tabernacle and then later on the temple. And so instead of giving the tribe of Levi land and turning them into farmers and business people who would serve God as volunteers, God decided that these vocational ministers would be funded by the tithes of the other 11 tribes so that they could give full time to the ministry of the tabernacle, which would be like the church in our day. 
And so in Numbers 18, God said to Aaron, the leader of the tribe of Levi, you will have no inheritance in the land. You're not going to own any portion of those tribal properties. I will be your portion. I will be your inheritance among the sons of Israel. And to the sons of Levi, behold, I have given all the tithe in Israel for an inheritance in return for their service, which they will perform in the service of the tabernacle, you know, the tent of meeting. And so, friends, that's why we tithe today. We're honoring a principle found all the way back in the, New Te- in the Old Testament. Now, some of God's people are called not to serve in the marketplace. They're called not to get a job out in the business world, but to serve as pastors and ministers and missionaries and ministry assistants and on and on and on it goes. And then the rest of God's people here at Compassion, we call them volunteers, are to be gainfully employed and then serve with their pastors who give their whole time to the ministry and their tithe will fund the cost of that ministry. So in the Old Testament, God decided that ministry would be funded by the tithe and it's still that way. Your church is not funded by taxes or government help or bake sales or car washes or anything else. Our church is funded by the faithful tithes of godly people. Now, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that he came to fulfill the Old Testament law and replace the Old Testament with a new covenant. And so the question is, did Jesus in the New Testament continue this principle of funding the ministry by the tithe for the sake of his church? And one of the strongest arguments that he did is in Matthew 23, 23, where Jesus says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You tithe the mint and dill and cumin. These are spices in the spice chest, but you neglect the weightier provisions of the law, like justice and mercy and faithfulness. These are things you should have done, say it with me, everybody, without neglecting the others. Neglecting what? Well, he just said it. He's talking about tithing. So Jesus actually endorses tithing. He said, don't neglect that. Now, if he wanted to say, bro, this does not apply to you. That's an Old Testament thing. This is the new covenant. If he wanted to say that, he certainly could have right there. But he actually says the opposite. Now, friends, let me tell you something. You will not impress God very much if you fail to live a life of justice and mercy and faithfulness. But according to Jesus, you shouldn't neglect tithing either. And I am amazed and disappointed at how hard intelligent people will work to twist the scriptures to avoid this responsibility. But I'll tell you, there's another indicator that this principle is carried on by the early church in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The apostle Paul wrote 25 years after he became a Christian, after Jesus was in heaven, he said, do you not know that those who perform sacred services, talking about in the temple, they eat the food of the temple, And those who attend regularly to the altar, talking about the altar of sacrifice in the temple, man, they have their share with the altar. Why is he even writing about this? I think he's trying to remind the church in Greece and in Georgia that in the Old Testament, God initiated a system that supported the ministers who worked in the temple and it was funded by tithes that people brought to the temple. And then Paul says in verse 14, so also the Lord, talking about Jesus, directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. So at at the very least, Paul is saying that those who spend their lives in the service of the word of God should be supported by the believers who benefit from their ministry. But let me tell you something, man. I'm a pastor 
And I have tithed every dollar I have ever made and more, if for nothing else than to just say thank you to Jesus for the other pastors on our staff who lead our student ministry, who have helped me raise my sons and are helping me right now raise my grandchildren in the Lord. Anybody else grateful for those guys? You know you are. Now, friends, here, thank you, thank you. What Paul is saying is that when we tithe today, we're honoring a principle and a plan that God used to sustain the ministry in the Old Testament and God used to sustain the ministry in the New Testament as well. And like I said, if you don't like it, take it up with God. If you really don't like it, get on the internet. You will not have any trouble finding what Jesus called hypocritical teachers that will twist the scripture and give you all the excuses you need to ignore doing what God has clearly asked you to do. But I would not follow those guys. Jesus called them blind guides and they will lead you in a ditch because they just don't want to do what God told them to do and they'll lead you to do the same thing. Here's number two. Tithing honors your creator as owner of all. You know, when we return a tenth of our income and we give it to the ministry of Jesus, you know, we're declaring a point of theology that is just essential to strong and healthy faith. God is my creator and he has ultimate authority over everything, including my income. Now in Psalm 24, it says the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains, the world and all who dwell in it. Now, if you believe in God, you got to believe that's true. I mean, this is why when we talk about money or talent or time or energy or insight or intelligence or anything else here at Compassion, we focus on stewardship. The idea, I'm not an owner. I'm a steward. I'm a responsible manager of resources that I receive from the Lord. I'm in a body and job and health and influence and time and years of life and all that. And dude, it belongs to God. Nothing I have is mine to do with as I please. Now talk about the opposite of what the American culture believes. Nothing I have is mine to do with as I please. If I'm a follower of Jesus, He's my Lord. I need to leverage everything I have to honor him. And if he says be generous, if I take my relationship with him seriously, I'm going to become generous. You know, Bob McEwen was a uh, congressman in Ohio a few years ago. And he told about going to McDonald's and taking his kid in there for a, a Coke and a large order of French fries. And so his son has got this big old order of French fries. And you know, when those McDonald's French fries come out of that grease and they jack the salt to them, they look good, don't they? Come on, you don't have to lie in church, man. They look good, don't they? And so Bob is looking at his son with this big old order of French fries and he reaches over to get one and his son goes, mm-mm. <laughs> Put the shield up, right? And Bob kind of laughed about it. And then a minute later, he reached over again and the little boy put the shield up again, mm-mm. He said, my fries. And Bob just politely said, okay. And he's a better man than me, y'all. Better man than me. Bob thought, you know, doesn't he realize that I'm the one who provided those fries? I gave him those fries. Doesn't he realize that if I want to, I could take them if I want to? Doesn't he realize that I have enough money in my pocket to go over to that counter and buy a hundred orders of fries and send the server over here and bury this table in fries? He said, all, I had all these thoughts rolling through my mind, but really all I wanted to do was for my child to share a couple of the fries that I provided him with. And then McEwen thought, you know, it hit me. <laughs> My son is acting the same way toward me that I act toward God. Because God is so good to us. I mean, it's like God says, you know what I really want to do? I just want to spend a little time with you every week. And I want to enjoy some of the blessings that I provide you with so that you can share in what I'll do, through, do with them. 
And yet the temptation is to selfishly just gather our hands around our stuff and say, no, no, mine. I'll decide if I want to share them with you or not. And our all-powerful God who created the world says to himself, don't they realize I'm the source of every blessing they have? Don't they know I got the power to give or take every blessing I've given them? Don't they know I could bury them in blessings or let their sins bury them in struggles? And our God politely leaves the choice up to us. You know, the psalmist says, how can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? And I'm telling you, tithing is one way to just lower that shield and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the ways you've blessed me with things in the past that all belong to you. Father, I want to thank you in advance for the way I expect that you're going to pour blessings on me in the future. And you know, one of the most blessed men in the Bible wrote, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Friends, I believe your check should be the first money you spend on your app or the first check you write every week should be your tithe. I know it is for me and Sarah. You know, I had a guy <clears throat> back at Christmas when we were taking up the offering for the downtown campus. He brought a generous gift uh, to our Christmas offering and he showed me his check because he writes on every check he writes in the name of Jesus Christ. He said, I started doing this 15 years ago. And he said, I just do it to remind me who this money ultimately belongs to. That's a wise man. And I think we would be wise to write that on everything we give and everything we keep as well because ultimately it all belongs to the Lord. Tithing is a great reminder of that. Number three, tithing is God's way of providing for your needs. And the next reason to tithe, is be, to tithe and give beyond that is that this is one way that God provides for you, the tither, with sufficient money for your needs. And man, this is so counterintuitive. I'm telling you, you will never get this unless you try it. Generosity somehow triggers God's provision for your needs. I'm telling you, giving in a regular, disciplined, generous way up to and beyond the tithe is just good sense in view of the promises of God. You know, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, he who sows bountifully is going to reap bountifully. And then in verse 8, he says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. In other words, man, the bountiful reaping that he writes about in verse 6 is explained by God's pledge to give to givers all that we need and an abundance in addition to that so that we'll be able to fund every good work. And I mean, it seems like Paul's way of trying to express what Malachi the prophet wrote hundreds of years earlier when he quotes God by saying, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there'll be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing until it overflows. Now, friends, this is an amazing challenge from God. Test me. Only place in the Bible he says it. Test me. You think you can't afford a tithe? Test me and see. You think you can't live better on 90% with my blessing than you can on 100% on your own? Test me and see. You think you can outgive me? Test me and see. Friends, I'm telling you, honoring God with your money is the only safe way to handle money. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, give, and man, it'll be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, pouring out into your lap. Now, this is not a guarantee that God is going to make you a millionaire. And if any pastor ever tells you that, they are trying to take advantage of you. This is, an, this is a guarantee of an abundance for every good work 
and for what you need for yourself. And then finally, <clears throat> tithing proves and strengthens our faith. Friends, there is an absolute correlation between your faith in the promises of God and the peace of mind that you will have when you give away money that you think you need, but actually don't. Now, Hebrews 13, 5 puts it like this. Let your character be free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Why? Because God has made you a promise man. God himself has said, I will never desert you. I will never forsake you. Friends, anytime you doubt that you can live on 90% of your income, I want to encourage you to fix your mind on the promises of God and those promises will strengthen your faith. Now, I think the time when this meant the most to me was when my boys were younger and my wife was diagnosed with cancer and we just submerged in medical debt. Man, we went through surgery, we went through chemo, we went through radiation. I, I remember on bill paying day, I had 14 doctors in one hospital that I was writing a $20 check to every month. And you know, as long as you write that $20 check, they can't come get you, kids, right? And so, man, I'm telling you, I was writing a $20 check. I thought I'd be doing it until the Lord came back. It didn't work out that way, but that's what I thought. And I can remember being so frustrated with God. I thought, Lord, I'm a pastor. I love you. I'm a tither, man. Why don't you rescue me from this stress? Now, during that time, Sarah and I still gave a full tithe to the Lord here at our church. We made an aggressive commitment to missions every week. We never even considered stopping that. Because, man, when you're in a hole, you need the blessing of God. Amen? Yeah. Dude, when you hurt, that's when you need the blessing of God. It was just hard for us to obey. And I just couldn't see the promise coming true during that challenge. I wasn't feeling the love of God, even though I knew he was with me. And I knew he was going to strengthen us. Friends, I'm telling you, hard times, we just have to put our faith in God's word and in God's character and trust that he will never leave us and never forsake us. Now, roll the clock forward 20 years and look at all the blessing that God poured out on our family during that time. My Sarah recovered from cancer. She recovered from those treatments. She's been cancer-free for decades. Praise the Lord. Our sons watched us tighten up and trust the Lord. Even though there are things that they wanted to do we could not afford to do, but they got it and it built their character. And I'm telling you today, as we look back on year after year after year of blessing, here's my testimony. Learning to be obedient and faithful when it's hard taught us to be faithful and generous when life is good. And if you want to find out if that's true, test him. Test him and see. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time you've given us to be together today. And Father, we live in one of the most materialistic cultures in the history of the world. We are surrounded by idolaters who worship money. Every time anybody talks about giving it, sharing it, they get mad because they worship it. And we don't worship money, Lord. We worship you. But we feel that pull. We feel that gravitational pull toward materialism. And I just thank you for passages like this. I thank you for messages like this that just remind us the Lord, one way to, to fight back that materialism, fight back that idolatry, is by taking that thing and giving it away. And you give us a place here, Lord, where we can give and know that you will bless. And I pray, God, that there will be many, many people who will start today, that they will trust you and they will obey you and they will experience those, experience those extraordinary blessings that only come from you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen.